0: in our god pursuit series out of the life of solomon uh, we come today to probably one of the most well-known verses uh out of solomon's life and out of the book of second chronicles if my people it's second chronicles 7:14. now i lay these message series out usually before i even start them And so a couple of months ago, I knew on this Sunday we'd be preaching on this verse, but I didn't know Russia would invade Ukraine a few days ago. And what a what a marvelous moment of God's timing that we would land on this verse at this moment. And it it comes out of the end of the dedication of this first temple that's ever built in Jerusalem, built by King Solomon. And he has dedicated that temple. In the first part of chapter 7, we saw the glory of the Lord came down and filled this place. And we truly had a marvelous time in God's presence last Sunday morning as we looked at that. But now we pick it up at verse 11 of Second Chronicles 7. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his palace? Well, the Lord appeared to him at night. So after the temples built and dedicated, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for the sacrifices. The prayer the Lord said he heard was the prayer in chapter 6, that long prayer, and the whole last third of that prayer had to do with 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 Solomon essentially saying to the Lord, I know our hearts too well. I mean, here we have a temple to your glory representing the power of your name, but I know our hearts. We're going to drift. We're going to be attracted to all the idols in the idol-worshiping nations around us. We're going to leave you, the true and living God. And we know that we're going to eat the consequences of that, and disaster is going to come on our land. But but but, Lord, Solomon had prayed, if if when you get our attention again, If we humble ourselves before you and and, and we pray and seek you and and, and we turn from our, our wicked ways of going after idolatrous things, would you hear us and would you answer our prayer if we turn back to you? So God, that was in his prayer in the previous chapter. And so God appears to him and he gets right to the point. Verse 13 When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will. He's saying, Solomon, I heard your prayer, and I will do. This verse is simply God saying... I will answer the prayer you prayed, Solomon. That when we mess up and we turn back to you I, and, and we seek your face, that I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and will heal your land. Now, there's, in this verse, our part and God's part. And it's my intention that we will we will close our service by just applying this verse and calling out to God in corporate prayer one more time before we all uh, leave this morning. But, but I, we do need to, in order to be able to do that, we do need to understand, first of all, our part, and then God's part. That's how this verse structured. First of all, our part. And he's going to talk in our part about humility and hunger and holiness. Humility, hunger, and holiness. And he starts with humility. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If we'll humble themselves. Now, I love the story of Barbara Dole, former senator and, uh, and president of the American Red Cross. She says, when I first went to Washington, D.C. as a young attorney, so I sort of had God filed away in the filing cabinet of my life. But then it struck me, as God began to reveal himself to her, it struck me that if Jesus is who he says he is, then, in her words, I needed to resign as the master of my own universe. And, she went on to say, to my surprise, he accepted my resignation. (laughs) Uh, God's just going to accept some more resignations this morning. Because this idea of humbling ourselves... That word humbling has to do with bending the knee. It's like you bend your knee to something. And he says, you've gone and bended your knee to other idolatries. But I want you to come back and admit you were wrong and humble yourself and bend your knee to me. When they were bending their knee to these other idolatries of the nations around them and abandoning their Lord and God and the Creator, they were in essence bending their knee to demonism. They were bending their knee to the killing of children. They were bending their knee to social injustice. They were bending their knee to sexual perversion. And they were abandoning the Creator God and bending their knee in worship to things their hands had made. It almost sounds like where America is headed right now. And he says, he says, if you will, if you will humble yourself, God overcomes some arrogance and pride to admit you're wrong and God was right. And this is the battle with every one of our hearts. But he said, if you will humble yourself and bend your knee to me instead. And then, if you'll not only bend your knee, but you'll start to call out to me. This is hunger. This is spiritual hunger. Hunger for God. It's one of our, it's the first of our five core values as a church. To be hungry for the presence of God. He uses these words, Pray and seek my face. If you will first bend your knee to me and then pray and seek my face, you, you will turn from stubborn resistance to my will. You'll bend your knee to me. You'll bend to my way. And then you call to me and to pray and to seek my face. Those are probably two ways of just saying the same thing. Lord, we're just hungry for you. And we realize we don't have the resources, so we're calling upon you. And, and praying really at its core as we prayed for Ukraine and will again pray even more before we're done today for that part of the world. We, we're just yearning, we're, we're hungering for God's intervention. When you pray for your friends or your children or whatever you pray for, you're yearning for the intervention of Jesus in that life, in that situation where, where there's been a lack of His, his influence. So you pray by yearning, and and, and when you seek his face, his face is always associated with God's favor, like that favorite blessing in the Old Testament. May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. This means if God were to turn his face That means he lifts his favor off of us. But when he shines his face towards us, his favor comes to us. And so he says there's this hungering for the intervention of God and, and this place to be restored where we start walking in the favor and blessing of the Lord again. And one of the two verses I've given to our leadership team as a church, I give them two verses on a plain white card every year. And the one that's been working on me for months and months Is the one I preached on on the very first Sunday of this new year. It was our online service only. We didn't meet. It was January 2nd. We didn't meet together over that New Year's weekend. But um, it it was Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, where in the previous verse, the crowds were growing and gathering around Jesus because of his miracles. But verse 16 says, Jesus often looked for lonely places to go and pray. And I just have felt that with urgency for our staff team, for our pastors, and for us as a congregation. And I walked away from recording that first message thinking, I'm afraid I came across as a downer because I said, I know there's prophetic words about 2022, that this is your year of breakthrough and abundance and grace. I mean, and you hear that every year, and I hope it's true. I really hope it's true, and I really hope I'm wrong. But I believe this can be a year of breakthrough for you but I believe it's going to be a tough year. I just have felt this for a a long time. And that our reference point is going to have to be that place of appealing not to our resources but appealing to the heart of God who can intervene and who can show favor where instead the enemy has had all the influence. And I just think that's what's going to help keep us steady. And so I, I kind of... I started the new year out by saying, uh, watch out for this year. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be easy. So, so far we've had devastating wildfires. We've had debilitating blizzards. I mean, how many times have we had to cancel Wednesday night lately because of ice storm? I mean, it's just tough. We've got raging inflation. We, we, we've got employment problems. Uh, Around our country with companies not being able to find workers. We've got supply chain problems and We had a massive resurgence of the pandemic again in January and 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 this is all in the first two months of the year and then the world changed this week with a nuclear superpower Invading an underdog country with no provocation I mean this shouldn't even be happening in the 21st century. I thought we were over this right except that I've had to realize the human heart doesn't change. And I just think that we can't be casual about being hungry for God. I mean, that's our reference point. Jesus often went to lonely places to pray. And he says, if you'll humble myself, you start bending, your, bending towards my way rather than your way. And if you will be hung, if you'll pray, just yearn for my intervention and yearn for my favor. And then do one more thing. It's it's built around the word holiness. If you will. If you will turn. From your wicked ways. And and this is what repentance is. Repentance is more than just feeling bad about your sin. Repentance is saying. God I'm going to turn. I'm not going to go my way anymore. Humility opens me up to that. And so I come to you. and, And I'm looking for something that I need from you now. I'm praying and I'm seeking your face. And. In in the process, I'm going to truly deal with the sin issue in my life. And it's interesting, this is how you become a Christian. You don't become a Christian by going to church and putting money in the offering. You You become a Christian by humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to turn your way rather than just my way. I'm going to bend my knee before you, and I'm going to call out to you in prayer, and I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. And with your help and with the freeing power of your spirit, I'm going to start walking in your way. I'm going to change. And and this is how it happens. Because Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 59, I didn't put this on the screen, but he said, he said, he said, you know, God's arm hasn't been shorter than it used to be. And and God's ear, as he gets older, he doesn't get older, but as he gets older, his ear isn't deafer than it used to be. He said, no, that's not the problem. The problem is you and your sin. He said, it's your sin, your iniquities that have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. He will not hear. And so this is is why repentance is so, this is why holiness is not an old-fashioned word. Holiness is the most profound description of the nature of God himself. He is set apart and holy, and we're supposed to be set apart to him, not to the idolatries of our time. We've got to come clean. You may have secret sin in your life. You've got to come clean here. You, you've got to come clean. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you've got to come clean. You, you, you've got to come to that place where your sin can be forgiven because that's what's separating you from a holy God, and he can make a difference. You know, King Hezekiah would follow King Solomon a number of years later. As a king in Jerusalem, his predecessor was Ahaz, who messed up the country totally because he led the country into idol worship and in abandoning the true God. And as a result, they were eating all the consequences of it. And so when Hezekiah comes to the throne, he inherits a spiritual mess and what i love about hezekiah is that he was wise enough to ask the right question if you're spending your energy ask trying to answer the wrong questions you're in trouble like i found in my marriage after nearly 39 years the wrong question in my marriage is how can i change sandy (laughs) That just in 39 years has never worked the right question is, how can I be the person she needs me to be? If you're a student and you're not doing well and your grades are really slipping, the wrong question is not, how can I get my teachers to give me a break? <laughs> the right question is, how can I finally take responsibility for something and improve my study habits? That's the right question. You've got to spend your energy trying to answer that question. If you own oh, a company, the, right, the wrong question, and you're, you're losing market share, the wrong question is, how can I beat my competitors? The right question is, how can I understand the changes that are happening in the marketplace and better serve the needs of my customer? That's the right question. I love about Hezekiah, he didn't ask the wrong question. The wrong question would have been, as he inherited this national mess, the wrong question would have been, how can I rebuild the country I love? That's the wrong question. Instead, he answered the right question. The right question was, why did God take his hand off of us? And God said, it's your sin, it's the way you've gone. He asked the right question. How can we address that issue first? Before we clean out the temple, before we start rebuilding our nation, how can we answer that question first? The very reason that God took his hand off us. Why don't we have God's blessing on our lives anymore? He answered that question first. So if my people will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Those three things. God says in return, I will do these three things. And this is what sets us up to pray again in our closing. This is God's part. God says, if you do those three things, I'll do these three things. And uh, it's right there in verse, the end of verse 14. He said, then, if you'll humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear. Say that word with me, hear. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will, what? Heal their land and this humility hunger and holiness is always the pathway to spiritual breakthrough not just back then for Israel but always it's the way it's the journey churches take before they see revival it's it's the way our families can turn around and our lives personally can turn around with God's intervention hunger and humility and holiness but but it doesn't happen with, with the end being with our part because God then sweeps in. And he says, first of all, I will hear. I, I quote often to you uh, Psalm 18, verse 6, written by Solomon's father. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. Wow. Even my wife, Sandy, she's a real woman of prayer, but this week she was praying, and she said to me, kind of out of the blue, I was just overwhelmed this week that God actually hears my voice. Can you imagine that, the creator of heaven and earth? He said, I will hear, and then I will forgive. It's been said that forgiveness is humanity's greatest need and God's greatest triumph. And we celebrated the center of it with the cup and the bread today in Jesus' work on the cross So that's why Paul could write in Ephesians 1, verse 7, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance, not with the scarcity or the stinginess of God's grace, but in accordance, hallelujah, with the riches of God's grace. He bought them, paid for it at the cross. And by his blood, we have forgiveness. I will heal I will forgive, I will hear, I will forgive, and this is the God you serve. I will heal. I will heal. It says in verse 17 of Luke 6, describing Jesus himself, he went down with them and stood on a level place. And a large crowd of disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region, around Tyre and Sidon, all who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured. Thank God. That's why we pray, because there is authority in Jesus against demonic power. He said they were cured. Oh, Jesus, do it again. They were, they were cured of impure spirits. And the people all tried to touch him because, this is stunning to me, power was coming from him and this is our God healing them all because our God's a healer. It doesn't say power was coming from him and making them feel a little better about their situation. No. Power was coming from him and healing them all. And when Jesus touches and heals us, when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, when he heals our family and our lives and our hearts and our bodies and even nations, it's anticipating that moment when Jesus will come again to our world. And truly, as it says in Revelation, the leaves of the tree of life in that powerful picture of heaven will be for the healing of the nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.